0: good first was that game is that technically a game winner
1: first one but, uh... good question all right here we go smart looking looking for tatum gets it in tatum takes it makes it Edwards says I am hot
0: oh ho, ho, man can't
1: go right away goes baseline, sends it back out to Smart. He'll try a three, got it! Marcus Smart is
0: so good. Marcus Smart is so good. Smart, same spot, same result. The Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Coming up on the show, a look back at this recent end of December stretch for the Celtics, plus a review of Gordon Hayward's return so far. Then, a little bit later, a look ahead to the upcoming January schedule. And finally, with the year and the decade coming to an end, we'll get to our favorite Celtic moments of not only 2019, but of the decade. Joining me, as he often does, to talk about it all and so much more, Jackson. Aka Rickman lives, Jackson. What's been going on?
1: Hey, man. Um, yeah, not not a lot. It's obviously Christmas. Merry Christmas to all the um to all the redditors out there in uh, Boston Celtics land. Uh, lovely spending time with you as always. And uh, yeah, yeah, nothing's things are good, man. I hope you had a good Christmas. I trust. Nice, very chill. Lots of lots of Celtics
0: games. Predominantly Celtics wins. So <laughs> um, that puts me into good mood over Christmas, which in turn makes my family happy. So uh, oh, it wins all around. Now it has been. A little while since we've had one of the OGs on the podcast. Been about two weeks. So welcome back, Jackson. We've we've had some great guests on from the Celtics Reddit community over the past two weeks, but Jackson, seeing as it has been a little while how have your feelings about the Celtics team changed, if at all, over this sort of recent stretch? Okay, so when we say changed from the last time we spoke?
1: Or sure, so, yeah. Yeah,
0: so to update everyone out there, the last time we spoke was after the back-to-back uh, losses against the Pacers and the Sixers. Sure, okay.
1: Um. So obviously those two losses sucked a lot. I, um, I didn't like <laughs> them at all. The Pacers one, I was. I was... I expected we'd drop one of them, and I thought the Pacers were t- typically a bit of a sticky team for us, particularly when we're on the road. So there was no problem with that in particular. But um, the Philly loss really hurt, so I don't know. It, it's hard to, to separate your feelings from like, a bit of recency bias, mm. particularly after a loss. So I was starting to think to myself, eh, like maybe we should be really like contemplating something more in the line of like the third or the fourth seed, um, rather than the second, let alone the first. So I don't know if I was like how strongly I was feeling that, but then obviously every game since then um, probably up until the Toronto game yesterday um, was just exceptional. Like, you know, you taking into account that we didn't have Hayward for a lot of it. We didn't have smart for pretty much all of it. Um, Jalen Brown's performance Tatum's performance. um, It it, it inspired a lot of optimism and I was starting to think to myself, and maybe the one seeds back on here. Um, And to a degree, I still think it is, but um, I think losing, to Toronto hurt particularly particularly after beating them so recently just a few days ago on their uh-huh. home court they get us back again it kind of feels like that was sort of for nothing now but um i don't know i'm i'm still feeling like we're probably the second best team in the east um sure. and I mean, that's probably the second yeah, best team and, in the east and that's probably where i'm standing at the moment yeah yeah i don't know how i felt at the time but i'm definitely i'm definitely second for the celtics at the moment what about yeah. you yeah
0: well, first on the Toronto game, like you touched on it a, a second ago, they lost today to the OKC Thunder, which is validating, right? Like, yeah. a, a identical game of a circumstances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was nice to see. And it kind of validates our position losing to them uh, a couple of days ago. And j- just quickly on that game, we're not going to break down that game. I think it was just one of those nights for the Celtics. Totally. I-, I didn't walk away from that feeling particularly concerned or alarmed on, on any fronts. Um, uh, Maybe Hayward was a little tentative in the first half. And even though he's still not hitting many of his shots, he did come out strong in the second half uh, in terms of his aggressiveness. So that was good to see. So on to the next one.
1: Yeah, I'm... Um- yeah, I'm not reading too much into it at all because it's second night of a back to back, even though we are at home, um, Toronto looked a much fresher team. They looked way more up for. it. We just missed so many layups and so many just shots that just have been falling so like almost like reliably over mm. the past like couple weeks. So when they weren't going in, you just start to think to yourself, oh man, it's not gonna be one of those nights. And Toronto, like, even down um, you know, three very key and arguably their best player. Um just played like champions really and they just confirmed to me that like they they're to be not to be reckoned with um, you know, lightly. They're a very, very good team and they want to defend um the title. So yeah, it was one of those nights. Hurt a little bit, but um, you know, given the circumstances of how to run a loss today, I don't think anyone should be losing any sleep over it. And I don't think the, particularly the players won't be either.
0: Yeah, just a shitty night for the Celtics. It, it happens. We we all have our shitty days, uh shitty nights, and sometimes an entire cluster of people that form a professional basketball team can also yeah. have a shitty they all night came down one. with the shit syndrome. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh but look, the Celtics as of today, the fourth best record in the league, the third best net rating, and here's a spicy one for you in terms of points allowed per possession, second in the league at defending the pick and roll. Um stick that up your uh your uh, face. <laughs> you just to uh, haters. I going to say something much worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, look, actually, if you, if you head over to stats.nba.com and filter defensive team stats by play type, the Celtics are impressively ranked across basically every play type. However, I'm getting to my point here. In the past two weeks, 5 and 1, the second best net rating behind Milwaukee, of course, in the league, leading the league in rebounding, which. Wow. Throughout the decade. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know <laughs> if we've ever had that luxury of leading the league in, in
1: rebounding. Um and here we are. Yeah. It's, it's insane. I would <laughs> I would say we owe eighty percent, if not more, of that to just one Enos Cantor, to be perfectly honest. I mean, uh-huh. I know he's not out there all the time, like he is a bit of a liability on uh, defense still although he's not as bad as I thought he would be Um, when it comes to second chance points um, and just you know being there he doesn't so much get a lot of rebounds and bring him down and restart the play so many of them are just like two or three tips at the bucket and then on the third attempt it goes in so um, I don't call it that <laughs> yeah I wouldn't say it's particularly stat padding or anything like that but like you know he's there to keep the play um alive and uh particularly in this last month it's been noticeable because um yeah I didn't have high hopes for Cantor, and I still think he's by far he's far and away like from my most important player but there are nights when he's really really handy and I think we probably would have lost a couple more games um without his rebounding I think this month even in particular so um yeah no I'm happy to see where how he's going particularly in that department
0: yeah, definitely a huge improvement. And the fact that it doesn't seem to be detracting overall from our pick and roll defense, which, which is a huge concern with Cantor with going in, that's a really good sign. Definitely something that I've been uh, surprised over over the past two weeks. Something that's maybe altered my perception of, of where this team can go, given that that hasn't been a glaring hole for us. Mm. Um, the other thing, and it's crazy that we've gone, you know, six minutes without mentioning this, uh, the Jays, both uh, averaging yeah. about 24 points per game each. I think... Jalen is averaging 57% from the field. Tatum is averaging 47% from the field. It looks like over the past couple of weeks, Jalen's also shooting 57% from Mm -hmm. three, which is nuts. His efficiency- It feels like um, it too. Yeah, and yeah. just the, the fact that, um you know, the concerns around Tatum have been his lack of efficiency. um It's sort of patched up by this incredible efficiency by by Jalen Brown, and as a two-piece, like, they just fit together yeah. perfectly. And there's this sort of underlying notion of... It's like a calming, comforting, like, everything's going to be okay. Even if this season doesn't work out, like, we've got those guys kind of locked up and they're young and they're talented. um It's just, you know, in that sense... Um, beyond the scope of season, the season, everything feels good. Yeah, I don't know how else to put it? No, no, you're
1: right. You know, I keep coming back that that um, brilliant um, uh, Jalen Brown is Scorpion and T- Jason Tatum is uh, is uh, Sub Zero. It's going to catch ice. on. Yeah, it, that, uh, that keeps on. coming to mind. Like particularly when you talked about efficiency. You know, Jalen's been crazy efficient. He said he suits fifty percent, seven percent from threes. It feels like it's higher than that. Probably barring the Raptors game. Uh, yesterday but um, every time he takes a, a shot I just feel like it's going in and Tatum maybe not so much but you know he's had now a couple of periods uh, I think it was Charlotte was the first one where he just went ape in the in the fourth quarter it was with 24 points or something he scored and then I think there was even a period of stretch in the Cleveland game where he just it didn't seem like he could miss either so he gets like ultra hot for a little while and it seems like we're actually willing to give him the ball and like take control or be like, just be the guy when he's hot as well. I like that. I like that. We don't do it all the time, but I like that. Like when it's apparent that he's on, he gets fed. So I want to see that continue more. So yeah, like the duality of having, you know, even if Tatum is inefficient, the fact that he can get hot and we, you know, he, he he does versus Jalen's overall, just really reliable, really consistent um, game. Um, Yeah. It's like, I don't think it's sustainable particularly in like long stretches. I think we'll probably go away, come back a little bit over the season, but it feels like it's looking at the future. It feels like this is what we can expect like night in, night out, maybe like two or three seasons time for them. They're so young, like it gets beaten to death, but they're just, they're babies and they're already this good and they're going to grow together. And it's just, it's just really exciting.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And it's also like our NBA uh, NBA Reddit has not always been a welcoming place for the average or any, any Celtics fan. Mm. And there's this love for the Jays that's sort of happening at the moment that it seems to be universal, uh, I guess, because of the organic nature and how the Jays were acquired, you know, through the draft and then some player development. It's actually really nice. And like you can't, you know, if you're a self-respecting, even semi-informed NBA fan, you're aware of that. And people are sort of all sharing in that love for the Jays, no matter mm. their, their team allegiance, which is really good. I do have to correct myself very quickly. Jalen Brown, 47% from three over the past two weeks, not 57%. 57%. That was actually uh, Grant Williams. Oh, so it feels like Psych. 47 It <laughs> feels much higher than
1: 47%.
0: <laughs> yeah, very, very high. And uh, you know, shout out to Grant Williams, uh, just continuing to, to knock down shots now after um, an insane drought to start his NBA career, but but things are looking good. So, it, so the last couple of weeks have been very interesting, but as the season as it unfolds, i'm curious, Jackson, what are maybe emerging as some of the biggest surprises for the Celtics so far from your perspective
1: okay, surprises, I think Jalen Brown's performance, his leap or the justification of his contract is like probably comes to mind the most at the moment. I'm um, guess I am surprised in the sense that we look as where we play so well as a team cohesively um, as well as we do already. Like I think I didn't really expect us to be playing at this level around about now. I expected glimpses, but not to the point where it gives us the fourth best record in the league. Um, So I'd say, I'd say Jalen is probably first and foremost. Um, I don't, I really don't, I don't know beyond that. The whole season has been kind of a pleasant surprise. It's hard to really like pinpoint like what's, what's been for you, Ben?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely had Jalen first. That's the biggest one. Just he's, you know, you'll expect a, a player going from year three to year four or whatever. Um, year, in Tatum's case, year, uh, year two three. to three, I believe it is. Um, you'll expect them to make a jump, and that's why they often are out of the running for most improved player because it's expected of them. Um, definitely Jalen Brown. Uh, none of us expected him. No one ever. Probably not even himself. Uh, to make a leap of of, of that uh, size, Brad Wanamaker though I think has been mm-hmm. a surprisingly serviceable backup point guard. Uh, and with Smart missing some time and Romeo Langford missing some time, you know, a lot of people thought with his draft position in the lottery there at fourteen that perhaps he would be entitled to some uh, immediate rotation minutes. Yeah. Um, but Wanamaker has been solid, and I don't have the stats here, but I, I feel like he's one of our best grifters like our best at getting to the line uh and, and drawing a foul often on the fast break um very very surprisingly impressed with brad one yeah. i i wasn't expecting to feel that way i think he's our best free throw shooter as
1: well for yeah, per percentage, yeah so i thought he would be like one of brad's sort of success stories he tends to do that to a lot of like you know unfancied players I thought last season that it was actually going to be Brad Wanamaker was going to come in and be a really competent really surprising backup point guard didn't really happen for a lot of reasons because a we had Terry Rozier and b we were just pretty like bang average overall but this season no you're 100% right he's he's uh, he's taken that um that backup guard role on really really well um you know solid not spectacular reliable um Good free throw shooter, yeah. Like I don't, I don't feel any anxiety. I don't feel like, oh shit, here we go. Like how I felt like when you know Mr. Roger was was uh, deputizing, uh last <laughs> season. Uh, yeah, no, uh-huh. he's, he's a calming influence, and he's he's the oldest guy on the team too. So he probably brings that almost like Al Horford father figureness to yeah the team in a, in a light way, I guess. He's our savvy veteran. Uh, I, I have to put Cantor and Romeo Langford
0: down as a recent surprises it, it's Fair, really yeah. it, it comes back to why we're talking about this this past two week stretch which uh you know 5 and 1 it, it's been it's been a successful stretch for the Celtics a lot of that has had to do with Ines Canter less so Romeo Langford uh, but the surprising elements from each of them come from their impact off the bench Romeo with his surprisingly uh, competent defense uh, in the NBA with with such little minutes played uh, and Cantor with his insane ability to just out rebound anybody to get between the next biggest defender and the and the bucket on either the offensive end or the defensive end and just snatch all of those rebounds, creating so many second chance points or at least second chance opportunities for the mm. Celts. Um and just generally not being like fucking terrible on the defensive <laughs> end. That has also been very surprising. Yeah. It
1: hasn't been great, don't get me wrong. But he hasn't been so bad so that's that's been really nice to see you get reminded once twice a game like oh shit that's right he's he's not that great a defense but only like once twice you know it's not like a constant thing you don't yeah you don't like dread it when he comes in um I guess Tice is worth a a shout out as well like we've always liked Daniel Tice he's always been like a a good guy to have around but like the fact that he is he's taken that starting center position when I thought it was Cantor's um I even had a sneaking suspicion it could be Rob Williams but injuries what have you um, but no, he's done well to hold down that starting spot. I think his defense has been great. I think he's, he's a competent three point shooter. doesn't take a lot, but like, you know, he typically knocks him down Um, just overall doing a really, really, you know, competent job and the center position. And like, what's briefly on Romeo Langford. I remember like just about 98% of all Celtics fans do when, uh we draft guys that you've never heard of before you go and you watch their highlights or their scouting reports and basically everything that i found (laughs) out about romeo langford on the negative side seemed to be that he was disengaged on defense and he didn't really put in a lot of efforts i was like okay shit well brad's not really gonna like that um but i'm not seeing that at all so far he seems to get a block every game and he's only in like for about like Four five minutes, so thereabouts. So, um, and the fact that he's come back from an injury without featuring at all, and now he's actually getting minutes like straight away. It doesn't feel like he's being forced in there. It feels like he's actually earned them, or they believe in him enough to to um to, you know to hang with uh, with the crew there. So um, yeah, no, I'm definitely surprised by uh, by Romeo as well. Yeah, and sure, he's
0: a lottery pick, but his role on this very deep Celtics team is only ever going to be at least for this year. Come in and defend your ass off for five minutes while players who are much more important than you can rest. Yeah, like that that's going to be it, barring injuries. Uh, and he's owning that role. You know, he's he's not stepping outside of, of his lane, if you will. Um, and he's just killing it. So it's really really good to see. I I want to get to some quick Reddit chat outs before we move on to some Hayward talk. User Leetspeak posted a tweet by Keith Smith stating that for the first time since November 9th, the Celtics will have had, this is now past tense, I'm doing the conversion live, the Celtics will have had Kemba, Gordo and Marcus Smart available for the same game, which is kind of nuts and sad because it's like how good could things have been yeah. and yet things have been great. Um, and then we lost, we lost the game, <laughs> uh, which is very yeah. unfortunate.
1: I think the overriding factors were A, the back-to-back B, it was Smart's first game back, and he was on a minutes restriction. And like everyone kept saying, like my definition of my computer screen wasn't good enough. But they kept talking about how his eyes still looked off. And I don't know if they were like speaking like metaphorically, like he's got the eye, like he really wants to, you know, he's ready to kill, or whether his (laughs) eyes actually looked a bit fucked up because he had like a serious eye infection. Um, you can't tell me that there is absolutely no correlation between that and your ability to like shoot the ball or like you know basically play if your vision is you know impaired or you're at least you know conscious of some distraction with your eyes. So I think yeah, it's nice to have that team together. Like five leaf clover line up when it played, um, which we noticed. Well, you pointed out in the group chat was actually you know doing the goods really well there for a second. So it was great to see that. Yeah. Um, but you know the fact that we lost, disappointing. But yeah, I think the circumstances prevailing means I think the jury is definitely still out on whether um, whether that lineup is as good as we think it is because I think it is.
0: Yeah, well, LaBird33 replied to LeadSpeak's post saying it might take a little while for everyone to get into rhythm, but it's going to be super interesting to see the lineups we put out there. This is before the game, so like super Mm. clairvoyant take there by LaBird33, shout out to LaBird, friend of the show. Um, But yeah, I mean, this was a bummer of a game, we've already touched on that, and while it's been great to sort of have everyone back, barring Time Lord... Um, it's probably going to take a little while for everybody to get into rhythm, including one, Gordon Hayward, who we're now going to talk about ad nauseum. So yeah. uh, maybe skip forward 10 minutes if you are not a Gordon Hayward fan. <laughs> um, in, in particular, and we'll get to some of his recent plays, being back for three games now since going out with the, the foot injury. Um, I want to revisit the Hayward future contract situation because mm-hmm. lately the, the Jays, Tatum and Brown, have shown some serious skills, let's say over the past month or so. Consistently enough now where, like, could it now be at the point for Hayward where, quote, ring chasing or re-signing with the Celtics are actually two of the same thing? Like, if he... Yeah. At the end of this, where it, where it comes time to decide what to do with his, his future, could he take stock and say, hang on a second, like, maybe the best place for me to re-sign, to put myself in a position to win is actually where I'm already at with the Celtics as opposed to doing an Al Horford and fleeing yeah. for a, a, a treacherous uh, <laughs> rival?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. How old is he? Is he 30 or is he 29? He's 29. Going on okay. 30. Yeah, yeah, so he's going on 30. I'd say he's probably still just on the border of too young to be ring chasing just yet. I understand the the injury and circumstances and whatnot, yeah. but I'd say ring chasing is more for your guys who are in like the twilights of their careers. I'd say Hayward's probably, I'd like to think his best years are ahead of him, but you know, I'm sure we're about to dig into that. Um, is ring chasing and resigning with the Celtics the same thing? I think as long as, I think as long as the Celtics continue to play the way that they are playing, then we're obviously going to be a contender to at least come out of the east so and as long as, and if you're a, if you're a contender or your chance to come out of the east and you do make it out of the east then you're 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 set your four wins off winning a title so as far as like the odds go i think being with the celtics is, is definitely one of the better options you can go with um now if he doesn't want to go with the celtics if he wants to go somewhere else um and you know lend his talents to a contender in the west or even in the east um is he going to get how much money is he going to get? Is he going to get the money that he's after? Is he realistically changing his expectations depending on his play and things of that nature? So um, that's got a lot to come into factor. Um, is he actually all right? Is his foot the nerve damage thing that we've all read about and then we're all starting to like, have night terrors about? Just, yeah. oh, is it, or is that just me? Um,
0: <laughs> no, I'm yeah. waking
1: up sweating every yeah, yeah, night yeah. at the moment. <laughs> so is that going to be a thing or what? So there's so much to consider with Hayward. Like, I, mean, I think at this point, if I were him... There's so much up in the air. I think the best thing is to just take what we offer. Now that's obviously a bit of a a biased thing coming from me too, because I think they would offer him something that they believe he's 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 capable of earning. Like same with Jalen Brown, you know, they will pay him accordingly. But yeah, you gotta wonder where his head's at. I think cell tying with the Celtics is the best is the best option, just from from what I can put myself in his shoes. But I don't know. What do you think, man? Well, so just compare it to Al Horford, and a little
0: bit, you know, with a, a a lesser display of athleticism from Gordon Hayward, given the injury a couple of years ago, and now the the nerve pain issues. Now, um, Hayward, I, I think he's playing comparatively a, a Al Horford role on this team, and that he's, you know, he's not leading us in any particular stats, but he is kind of a glue guy, and like, wait, we saw it in the mm. Christmas Day game where he had like a nice, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but it was like a 14, six and five or something like that. Like great glue guy stats um, and and really just getting the most out of all the players around him. And Al Horford last year had a decision to make. He could sign a team-friendly deal to stay with the Celtics. We offered him a little bit less than what he could make on the market. Or he could take all the money and go to you know a quote-unquote uh, contender in, in Philly um, or just any team that could really offer him the money. Al Horford decided to take the money which is fine hasn't really worked out all that well for him so far although that might be an independent case um, for Al Horford but now one year later it's going to be the case where where Gordon Hayward is faced with a a similar position and he can go you know almost anywhere with cap space and and sign another max contract or he can take a little bit less and stay with a Celtics team that seems to have some momentum in the right direction seems to have an upward trajectory with good talented young players and contend for a championship for possibly a very long time I have to be honest. Uh, I have never faced uh, a situation in my life where I've had to decide to choose sacrifice between twelve of million and a, eighteen million yeah. dollars
1: yeah. <laughs> for, for an NBA
0: championship. Um, however, I think there's enough. Like again, bias. We're huge Celtics fans, obviously. Huge disclaimer. But adding the Brad Stevens element, the unfinished business from the Butler, you know, near championship win there. Kind of feels like there's maybe enough where he could do like three years, 20 million a year, like three years, 60 or something like that. 20 million a year is like baller money, literally. Uh, and you get to stay on the same team with the same coach. You don't have to move your kids and your wife across the country. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, his best years hopefully are ahead of him because unfortunately, as we've been able to watch him come back from this injury, it's been really fun to watch him hit all of these milestones. But then. Unfortunately, there's been a few hiccups on the way, a few speed bumps where he's had the hand and the foot again, mm. and like we haven't really seen him have a real opportunity palm to in like, face.
1: Thought he broke his nose for a second. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he
0: just has the worst luck, and we, we haven't really had this really nice long stretch of just like here's what this team looks like with Gordon Hayward, and here's what Gordon Hayward looks like with this team, and he might have to resign with us for us to get
1: that sample size because it, it might not happen. But yeah, yeah. Um, briefly on the Horford thing. I think that was a case where the money and the ring chasing kind of married up because I think as much as we don't like to admit it, like Philly is, is right there with us in terms of like coming out of the East. So I think in that situation, Ooh. yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> no, no, I agree. In that, in that <laughs> situation, I think it made sense. And I, I didn't, um, didn't we call him like after he told Philadelphia yes, and we were like, actually, we, we figured it out. We can actually offer you something. And he's like, oh, I've already told him yes. Like, I can't think. Sorry. So yeah, uh, maybe some version of that happened. But I mean, yeah. I think his mind was made up anyway. I think if Horford like had the power of hindsight, which you know, obviously, if everyone had things would be very different. But I think if he <laughs> if I think if you could see how this Celtics team would be without him he probably would have stayed. He probably would have stayed. I don't you think like anyone could think have anticipated so. like with the upgrade of the, the, yeah, the, the upgrade, let's just put it like how it is, would have mm-hmm. been as significant as it has been to last season. Um, but as far as Haywood is concerned, yeah, look, um, I don't know real, like off the top of my head, I can't think of anywhere that would, that that he would, I mean, everyone could use a, a great glue guy, like you said, that used to be, you know, fantastic and still potentially could be. Like he, we did see flashes of it. That's, that, uh that, Cavs game when in Cleveland from earlier this year, where like he had that like you know the first player since Wilt Chamberlain to do X record, yep. which was amazing. Um, so uh, yeah, look, I hope he stays. If someone wants to offer him crazy money, which I think someone might be prepared to to take a punt on, he might have to consider it. But yeah, I think I think the Brad Stevens thing, the 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 fact his family sell here, he's a family guy. Um, I think that will probably pay come Into a factor, and he's got to be excited by what he sees from Jalen and uh, from, from uh, the Jays, you know, because I think they're not going anywhere for a little while. So, I think if he feels like you know it's a, wor- a, a ride worth staying on, I think he will. I hope he will,
0: yeah. And I feel like the only team that he would truly consider leaving for would be the Pacers, Indiana. And I think mm, they're all true. capped out with their you know their dual big men in Oladipo and Oladipo and now Brogdon as well on a, on a larger contract. Uh, So that's not going to happen. Very likely, very unlikely rather. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see. And I I just hope between now and when it comes time to deal with all of that, that we've seen enough of Hayward and Hayward's seen enough of us as a healthy basketball player where like the two parties can make an informed decision. Because I don't feel like, you know, all the time that he's been here now, like we're, we're still not there. And that's the most frustrating part. Absolutely. Obviously, he came back on Christmas Day and he looked great. And a lot of people were like, see, I told you Gordon Hayward was the best player on the Celtics. And then he had two back-to-back shitty games uh, culminating in in the loss to Toronto yesterday. A lot of people were immediately talking about trading Hayward again and how it was a terrible contract and all this sort of anti-Hayward talk. User Marquise James replied to all of those haters and said, we aren't going to go undefeated every single game or the entire season. So mm. stop with the bad takes, please. It's it's literally one loss. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of merit to that. We just need to allow not only Gordon Hayward, but Marcus Smart to, to get back in rhythm, right? And then yeah. make a judgment. Yeah, it's too if- early. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the Eastern Conference standings thus far. Obviously, Milwaukee are front runners to to finish with the first seed. They're still quite a ways ahead of the rest of us. The Celtics have dropped down to the third seed after the loss to the Raptors the other day. So Miami hold that two spot now. At four, we've got Toronto, then Philly, Indiana, and then Brooklyn and sneaky Orlando there in the in the eighth seed. Talking around that, that's sort of the top half of of the standings there for the East. Do we want the Bucks to falter, or do we want them to completely seize? number one seed to the detriment of our
1: opponents like do you know what I mean when I'm asking that I think I do yeah like would you rather Milwaukee saw up the one seed take care of our opponents you know in the meantime and make it a little bit pushier for us to get the second seed sure um I I think realistically I don't think Milwaukee's gonna lose a lot of games to be honest like they haven't had Giannis the last couple games and they've just, just blitzed They've just blitzed people. Um, mm-hmm. They took care of the Lakers in a big game that was very hyped up. So um, I don't think they're gonna re- they're going to relinquish the first seed. But um, I got to be honest, I wasn't upset when they got done on Christmas Day by Philly. I wasn't upset, <laughs> and I normally I normally hate hate seeing Philadelphia win in any capacity. So that you knew that was a, that was a um, there was a reason behind that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Milwaukee peg back a little bit, even if that opens up the field behind us, even if it makes you know it puts some more teams on our trail because i think at the moment the the two three four seeds are really up for grabs it's very congested in there so if milwaukee was to be pegged back a bit it's still going to be congested but now that first seed is also available and i think the first seed is very is is going to be super important because I, i we saw what we had two seasons ago and a lot can change over two seasons but we saw what we had with it two seasons ago and we saw what we had without it last season to a, a, a team like Milwaukee, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think Milwaukee can go anywhere in a series and win. I think Toronto can probably go anywhere in a series and win. I don't think we, we quite can do that yet. I'd put Miami in there as well. Philadelphia is an anomaly. I have no idea. They might switch on for the playoffs. They might not. But I think the higher we can get, including the first seed, the better. So I would rather see Milwaukee shake a little bit. And get that more that get first seed and be more gettable. Obviously the provisor has to be that we play well and win as well. It's not gonna and mean get shit. the second It's seed, not gonna mean yeah. shit if we if we just if we start playing badly as well. But if we can maintain our pace, maybe let's what we've been going the last ten games, seven and three. We mm-hmm. can keep that up and just hope Milwaukee just starts to to, to um, you know, shake a little bit, fall off a little bit. I think we should try and take that first seed, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think the Bucks are so much more dependent on their top one player right like there's so much more dependent on on who is fantastic obviously um than we are like we're much deeper and so if we can focus on being healthy at the right time in the postseason um that uh it's more of a luxury for us i suppose because we can deal with some casualties along the way as as we've been doing so far if milwaukee are going to push forward and hold hold on to this one seed um that comes with the risk of something happening to, to Giannis, if not like an acute injury, then just like a general wear and tear that affects him uh, come playoff time as he starts to get a little bit older, even though he's still quite young, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I I, I, do, I feel like I'm on board with them locking down the one seed to the detriment of our opponents because it, if, you know that, uh, the implication there is that they're beating everybody else in our conference, uh, hopefully, except us, fingers crossed. And it increases our ability to hold on to the to the two seed and get home court advantage yeah. against anybody else other than the Bucks.
1: Yeah, and we're on the other. I will say we're on the other side of the bracket too, so we wouldn't have to face them until the very end. Which I, you know, sure. I guess you got to go through them eventually, but if you can save the most dominant player of like almost in NBA history, is <laughs> <laughs> leaning towards <laughs> probably for the best.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, looking at Toronto and Philly. Um, while Philly have been pretty successful against us so far this season, I I feel like you could decide a series against either of those two teams based on who has home court. Like they're, they're pretty even Mm. really end to end. Whereas Milwaukee, you're going to have to come up with something else. Like it doesn't matter if you've got home court advantage or not. They're so good that you're going to need to find another way to beat them. So I guess that sort of affirms the, the
1: push for the second seed.
0: If that makes any sense. It
1: does. It does. Yeah. And like, look, obviously everyone wants to be the one seed and win the title. That, that goes without saying it's more like realistically, what do you expect where we are versus where the rest of the teams are? And like, if you, if you, if you said to me right now, we're going to stop the season. You're going to be the second seed. Would you take it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Would totally. Yeah. Yeah. Now, looking ahead at the Celtics schedule for January,
0: user Rogue Baboon, he had a post about this. He or she had a post about this, sort of. Uh, it went up after the loss to the Raps. The post is titled, Our First Double Digit Loss Since Opening Night and A Look Ahead. And it outlines some of the more difficult parts of the January schedule, like Sixers uh, in Philadelphia, the Bucks in Milwaukee. Uh, we've got the Lakers, the Sixers again, the Rockets in Houston, and the Clippers at home. Uh, those are some difficult games, but what that user does not mention is that of the very many games that we have in January, what I've got it here, 17 games in January, 13 of them against sub-500 teams. Mm. Like, if you look ahead at the next week, we've got the Hornets, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Wizards, and the Spurs before... Then going up against Philly, unfortunately, but then back to like the Pelicans, the Bulls, and the Pistons again. Like, we've got unfortunately a few difficult matchups this month, but really, realistically, like we could come out with like 14 wins against these very terrible teams
1: yeah definitely um i i you, you sense there's gonna be a banana skin in there like i don't know why i i just look at that chicago game and i'm just like yeah just this one of those nights where just we're not on than they are like i'm not sure it, it could be any one of those let, let's be real but like yeah charlotte sh- should be a piece of cake let's we really should i, I know they, they have stretches that we're good against but like we just got beaten at home like they better be well up for this so I think that's fine. Atlanta, I read something on our NBA today. It's like when Trey Young is off the floor, they have the worst offensive rating in like NBA history or something yeah. like that. So they've won six games all year. Yeah, like they are yeah, remarkably terrible. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's a that's a that's a pass. Um, Washington, yeah, nah. Spurs should be fine at home. And who else are the yeah? Basi- well, then it's Philly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So basically, I th- I think there's a there's definitely a lot of winnable games there. We do play the Lakers this month. I know we've got a, we, like 6s we've been there a couple of times. Milwaukee in Milwaukee, just hopefully that's a competitive game. I just don't want to get blown out for that one. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I think uh, the 21st, our time, which would make it, I think, the 20th, I think, is, I think that is a Wednesday in the state, the Thursday for us, I think it might mm-hmm. be. Um, yeah, the Lakers in the TD Garden. That is the one I am looking forward to, no doubt. Oh, yes. Yeah. And regardless of
0: seeding, regardless of what's going on this season, that is just like a, a series within a
1: series. Yeah. You know, we may it's not the see Lakers, them again this year. It's LeBron. It's AD post the whole AD uh, uh, trade shit. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Yeah, I'm glad
0: we're seeing them at home. Gives us maybe a slight, uh, slightly better, better chance to win against what has been a, a pretty good, I'm sorry to say, uh, Lakers team so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. Now... The year 2019 is about to end. So I want to get into the top moments or two of 2019 for the Celtics and all their fans, us the fans. Now, in within the calendar year of, of 2019, that has encapsulated one and a half season. So that doesn't necessarily have to come from the season thus far.
1: Jackson, I throw to you now. <laughs> Best moments of 2019, huh? All right. Um, I remember the first. Game one against the Bucks on the road, and we just made them look silly. And I remember thinking, oh, shit, we've, we've done it. We've, we've clicked. Al Horford, 20 points, 11 rebounds, three assists and all smiles for the Sage veteran. They outscore Milwaukee 60-40 to 40 in the second half. <laughs> we finally sorted it out. We're ready to go. And then uh-huh. being brought back to earth um, horribly over the course of the next <laughs> week. So that came to mind, but I'm probably going to get rid of that. Um... Man, the it's it was recent and it's not the sexiest game, but I remember when we went to San Antonio about a month and a half ago, whatever it was, and just dominated this team that we traditionally had such issue with. I know the Spurs are nowhere near the team that they used to be, but I remember that Rob Williams alley oop. I remember Oh yeah. Um just just, 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 just dominating them.
0: Grant Williams also getting dirty. Back comes to Celtics. Javante Green
1: going up high and
0: coming down hard.
1: Jason Tatum showing off the. Visit. And that's where the moment that I thought. I know Hayward got injured that game, so that was a little like, oh shit. But I remember after that game, just thinking to myself like, yeah, like we're we're a proper team here. I think I might be maybe confusing like reading Bill Simmons' tweet and getting the same <laughs> the same thing because that was a thing as well too. But I remember just this season alone, like that was great. As far as like the last like probably the 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 front end of 2019 is concerned like i mean i know i mentioned the bucks thing but it really wasn't that many man i think i'm just gonna go with those two for 2019 to be honest yeah Yeah. actually no no i got one i got one um uh taco falls uh first oh yeah uh, game in the garden it was only like a week (laughs) ago
0: that was definitely a highlight that that might pop back up in our moments of the decade. Yeah. In, in a moment. <laughs> yeah. we'll, so we'll you were saving that, weren't you? It's <laughs> right, <bad. laughs> right up there. Uh, yeah, I, I I had Hayward's thirty whatever points against the Warriors last year. Uh, yeah. Like the plane ride game where like that happened, <laughs> yeah. and like yeah, you mentioned it, but last season was so many moments of like oh, like they figured it out, yeah. like you know, teething issues, whatever. Now now this team who on paper just looks so amazing. Of course they're going to figure it out yeah. And that to me After already so many instances Of, of that um, epiphany Throughout the season That was the one where I was like Oh these guys They fucking got it in the bag now yeah. That Warriors game <laughs> Absolutely blew them out On their home court in Oracle 30 points from Hayward The plane ride Kyrie apologized yeah. to all the players on the team all like the that shit is yeah <laughs> yeah and then i had uh sweeping the paces in round one and and the follow-up game one against the Bucks. Yeah. i was like it's a good five Fucked.
1: game stretch yeah yeah that celtics nice. in
0: five yeah. <laughs> against the Bucks. So <laughs> i had it all written down it was good to go but um yeah we all know what happened there from this season everything Right? Sure. Kemba Walker smiling. Marcus Smart's D-Boy campaign. Hayward looking like a Gordon Hayward. The high character rookies that we drafted. The winning. The winning of games. Yeah. So pleasant. So nice. Uh, But if I had to narrow it down to just one, it's the emergence of the Jays. like The jump that they've made, especially Jalen Brown. Uh, I mentioned earlier there's this comforting underlying feeling of just like everything's going to be fine for a while totally um and as someone who invests so much in the celtics like emotionally and all of that stuff just to, to have that sort of knowledge to fall back on during bad times or whatever is just uh it's real nice uh, totally. i feel really good about that it's a great way to wrap up the decade uh, as a bunch of celtics fans so shall we move on to the decade yeah let's do Top Celtics moments of the decade for you, Jackson. Okay. Take it away. So
1: in case the listeners don't know this about me, and this will probably like scoop, just down my, my credibility as Celtics fan, I only really started supporting <laughs> the Celtics around about 2012, I think it was. About 2009 was when yeah. like, I learned about KG. I learned about basketball and shit like that. I was like, yeah, sweet.
0: Yeah, better but late than never, man.
1: 2012 was when I started, I was thinking. <laughs> and I remember I remember the game. No, it was, 23rd, it was 2012, 2012, 2013. So way back into the 2013 playoffs. We were 3-0 down to the Knicks. It was, it was going to be uh, KG, Pierce, and uh, uh, Rondo's last game mm-hmm. in, uh, in the garden. Wasn't Rondo? No, it wasn't Rondo's last game. Anyway, PG, uh, Garnet, and Pierce. Sorry. Sure. Um, we were getting absolutely flogged, and I was watching my mates, and I just thought, ah, shit. What are we doing here? And then we went on this 26 to 0 run. We're down like 30, 32 or thereabouts. We go on this 26 or 24 to 0 run. <laughs> Good. Pierce down the lane, blocking foul, counted and one. A 16-0 run, and the lead is cut to ten. And like we were all just going, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Like Avery Bradley just turned into like Steph Curry, across Michael <laughs> yeah. Jordan, across so many steals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a joke, and I remember just being so amped and so hyped. And this was like we were three 0 down that series. We'd won Game Four. We had. I think actually, we won the next two. If we had actually won this game, we would have gone to three, three and we're like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Like that would have like, it would have been gangbusters, but like just that run there, even though we ended up losing the game, I just remember like looking back on that. So fondly and thinking like, man, I was like, I'm really glad I got to watch this, particularly when, you know, Pierce and Garnett came off the, um, off the, off the court too. So that comes to mind. One of my early ones. How about, I got a few more. So how about I could jump to you, Ben, you tell me one of yours.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go with Ray Allen game two of the 2010 Finals. 32 points, eight threes, which at the time was a, a NBA finals record hmm. for threes made and since being broken by Steph Curry, who hit nine threes in game two in a win against the Cavs in 2018. Um, but that uh, the Celtics lost the first game of that series to the Lakers. Uh, that was game one in LA. Game two was going to be in LA as well. And if, if we lost that game, you know, obviously we lost the series eventually but if we had lost you know back-to-back games to begin a final series in LA it would have been all over um and Ray Allen just had the most methodical Ray Allen game I have ever seen it's still one of my favorite games to date just like bouncing off a series of screens set by like KG and Perk and and Glenn Davis just like pinballing his way to just Total openness and Rondo, just like peak 2010 Rondo, Mm. perfectly feeding him the ball all game.
1: Three. Allen. Again. Another three. Six for six from downtown. Shades of Michael Jordan back in the finals.
0: And even when he wasn't knocking down threes, he would like because the defense completely adjusted. He would up fake. First, it was Derek Fisher defending him, who we just annihilated. Then later, Kobe. He would up fake them and take sort of one dribble to the left and in from the from the pick that was set for him and shoot like a deep two. And he was just money all game. And it, w- it was the perfect Ray Allen game. And if anyone ever asks, you know, how did Ray Allen play? How was Ray Allen most effective? How did he get his? Show them that game. Because it's, it's like perfect. It's so satisfying to see. Um, that's probably my top moment of the decade. Uh, the Paul Pierce three over LeBron in game five of the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals, where he like turned around, and there's a lot of theories as to what he said. I think he said something like, I'm so bad, or something like <laughs> yeah. that, uh, right in his face. Pierce for three, it's good, Paul Pierce
1: from way downtown. And Boston leads by four.
0: Um, like of all the moments that encapsulate the truth, like that to me, that was like the most baller shit I've ever seen in the NBA. Oh, yeah. What about you? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to you.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I, a lot of like obscure moments come to mind, like bizarre ones. So like obviously, there's the entire Isaiah Thomas experience. Oh, yeah. Um, probably like the. Probably about to be overtaken by by the Jays, but like I'd say to this point, like the premier like player of like Brad Stevens' like tenure in charge of the Celtics, um, Marcus Smart might have something to say about that. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I'd say the 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 fifty-seven or fifty. How many points did he have against the Wizards? It was absurd. This is like after he 52 I think 52 yeah yeah That's right It was right. in the 50s <laughs> It was the 50s yeah um, And this was I think Yeah this was after His sister's funeral And had his teeth Knocked out as well mm-hmm. And he, yeah. d- he did that And that was just like uh, Like uh, absurdly inspiring I remember it was like Making news like In like um, On like coverages That like news articles That like never feature the NBA I was living in England At the time Like they, they, they don't know They didn't say nothing About NBA And this was <laughs> a story there, like he Cop this Look at what this little kid, look This little dude did Isaiah Thomas to the heart isaiah thomas is a machine but that was amazing um the made, whole season really for oh, isaiah, isaiah thomas yeah, the yeah, little guy absolutely amazing. yeah it was so much fun. it was so heroic and it was so it was so fun to be on board um with that and just that 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 squad you know like a, remember Kelly Olenek and and guys like that man that was I, I that looked very Maple fondly dick. Yeah, shit, yeah I very <laughs> fondly on those eras um a quick shout out when you said Paul Pierce hits a three I almost thought you were going to say when he came back as a clipper and got oh, yeah. subbed in in of the course. last like 20 seconds and hit the of three course. that was amazing I was watching that live and uh was just absolutely like over the moon when it happened um I've just named two more. Any more that you've got for me, Ben?
0: I got a couple. Yeah. So
1: I'm now getting more obscure and,
0: and specific. Celtics yes. at Warriors, March 14, 2012. Regular season game that contained the most insane pass I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Rajon Rondo off a pick with a spinning behind the back pass to a yeah. Ray Allen in the corner. He could play at the end of the regular season. Yeah
1: down three might have been the best pass of the season right there folks we talk about how good this kid is oh my god Something won 105
0: to 103 Curry was out that game Nate Robertson had 20 points and 11 assists like shortly after we jettisoned him from our team yeah. it was like within that game that we won there was a little like Nate Robertson revenge game yeah uh, Rondo had 14 assists. Allen only had seven points in his 32 minutes, but three of them included one of the most insane plays I've ever seen over the last decade, particularly from the Celtics. So I had to I had to list that. And I, personally, my favorite Celtic highlight to dial up is from 2012, and it's Paul Pierce game two against the Hawks in 2012. Rondo was suspended after game one after chest bumping a referee violently, and Pierce just comes out in this forward point guard combo just like backbreaker roll and just like completely destroys the Hawks in every facet of the game offensively defensively he's putting up shots from everywhere he's ball handling in the pick and roll He's playing on the wing off off picks like he's just doing absolutely everything. It's it's the quintessential Paul Pierce game
1: in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's
0: definitely in my my top plays of uh, or top moments of the
1: decade for, the, I'm for so, the Celtics. I'm so glad I got to see at least the back end of Pierce's career. Like if I had never seen Pierce play, I would have felt like I was missing out like so badly. And i like I'm sure like we all feel that. love like, like about like Bird and stuff like that for those of us who are of the age probably not to have um, seen him like in like live obviously. But uh, yeah, I've got two more Ben. I've got two more that come to mind. Um, I could go all day, man. I, I mean, I great. could go a like, lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wary. I'm wary of the time, but yeah. Now two in particular. Um, has to be the confetti game.
0: Here's Bellinelli, catch and shoot, and it's good. They rule it a two, and we're going to overtime.
1: Game three oh, against yeah. Philly. Um, <laughs> it, it, that just, just, just the, the, the it was so funny. Wow.
0: Gotta sweep the confetti off the floor. Yeah.
1: Because the commentary said, oh, they've called it a two. And they had the scoreboard up as tight. And this confetti's coming down. (laughs) It'll take a while to get the confetti off the floor here in Philadelphia as we've got overtime coming after Mark. And then I remember (laughs) we were waiting like 15, 20 minutes for them to clean it up. And I was like, it's going to be so funny if they lose this.
0: The confetti is actually still coming down. There's a ton of it.
1: It's going to take a while. Yeah, and I was and as I I slowly started to go you know what they're definitely going to lose this this has just got them Yeah, this is such a Philly fucking 76ers thing to do Operations here thought it was a three but clearly a two and as the Confetti still coming down let's bring in Cassidy Hubbard now
0: so as you guys can see Confetti is still falling onto the court and the word I get right now is that the referees have to wait until the confetti stops falling and then clear the entire court. So it could be quite a bit of time yeah. before we can get it going back,
1: guys. Yeah, thank you, Cass. I mean, again, as Doris mentioned, you could still see it coming from the ceiling. <laughs> and and the manner in which not only we got the basket, like, I think they had the ball last and they had the shot to win the game. They turned that over. Steal. Yeah, 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 and then I think, was it Jalen Brown who got the layup or... I can't remember. Maybe it's Taylor. Uh, I know that Al got the steal.
0: So yeah. Like I, I just remember Al's, Embiid's uh, Bede's face trailing behind Al as he <laughs> stole <Yeah>. the ball. <laughs> and
1: then you've got, yeah, and then you've got the Bellinelli too. And then I think, yeah, and then they, um, I think Redick goes to inbound it like right at the end of the uh, uh, time, overtime. And then it's stolen. I think it's picked up by Horford again. Um, or is it the, no, sorry, the inbound to, to, to Horford puts us up and then Reddick's inbound gets turned over again and they just yeah. choked it away and that effectively yeah. sealed that series. <laughs> I was walking around with the biggest smile on my face for like days. I think it was one of the early days of us doing this podcast and I think if you listen to back I'm just going I'm just going to laugh the whole time because I yeah. couldn't believe it. So that, but I think uh, now I'm pretty sure this is the best moment I've enjoyed of a Celtics all decade. Again, recent fan here speaking, but I was in a restaurant in with my dad in Brisbane. Um, the same time the Celtics were playing the Rockets at home I saw so we were down by 30 I was like fuck this went out with my dad hang around started to check my phone comebacks on comebacks on oh Jesus okay now I gotta watch so I'm watching from about six minutes to go in the fourth I think we were about like got to eight or like it's like four or five possessions and then the, se- the, the moment Smart drew, drew the second charge the first charge I went off but this, when he drew the second charge tie him out a reason to look to throw it in in backcourt, Smart is all over,
0: Harvey who does not like it, but a push shoving, and Harvey
1: knocks Smart down, and has called for another throw, and on that, he lose the ball. Effectively sealing the game, I, I made the biggest, like, just racket and just, like, scene in this restaurant. I didn't get told to leave or get told off or anything, but, like, I was watching my phone just, like, screaming, like, just show, like, look! look 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 what yeah. you just did <laughs> holy shit that's on un- ah! like it was just like having a full-on like fit i couldn't believe it and it's like yeah, it's one of the best like comeback wins i've seen in any sport like regular season or not like that was just so fun to watch and i'll never forget it so yeah i think that's i think i could go on all night but i'm definitely gonna cap it at, at the uh the smart charges on Harden definitely
0: yeah shout out to user the great snook as well who posted that play to the sub uh, yeah. a couple of days ago so I, I saw that um, and put it in my, my top plays as well so that's a huge one especially on James Harden as well who um, if you're not a fan of the Rockets so easy to hate mm-hmm. so easy to hate and when Marcus Smart who is like the defensive mirrored version of, of James Harden's elite <laughs> offense yeah. I don't know it's just nice to see those two guys literally collide <laughs> twice in a way that won us the game um <laughs> I want to give a shout-out to Timmy on Celtics Reddit as well, Timmy093, who posts... Every highlight of all of these plays that we're we're talking about and more, and we'll hopefully continue to do so in the future for the Boston Celtics. These guys need to hire him um, because yeah. he does that better than anybody else Subscribe on the planet. To
1: him, giving you money
0: on Patreon, he's he's, a, he's an absolute hero. Good on you, yeah, absolute legend. Uh, look, so many more plays to recount, and I'm sure that there are uh, quite a few that we've missed. So please, in the comments for this episode, let us know your top plays of the decade for the Boston. Celtics, I'm going to compile a list of all of these clips and and post the ones that we discussed today uh, with the episode and then compile a bigger list once you guys have given us your feedback for for later uh, in the year, which uh, look, (laughs) looking at the calendar, that's tomorrow. So get your feedback to us pretty quickly. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hope you have a lovely and safe New Year's celebration. And if you're at a loss for something to do, sit down and watch all of the YouTube highlights of all the plays we've just discussed and hopefully of those that you submit in the comment section for this episode. And hey, why not go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Celtic Reddit Pod. Subscribe to the pod, rate us five stars, tell your friends, all of that lovely stuff. Jackson, thank you again, dude, for coming on. Are you getting up too much for the New Year's break? Doing anything special?
1: Nah, man. Celtics uh, Hornets is 7 a.m. New Year's Day our time, so I gotta be fresh rush- as a days. That <laughs> yeah, that's one. right. Gotta get um, a good night's yeah, sleep. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'll do something, but it's gonna be. I'm old, man. I'm not, I'm not gonna get wild.
0: Probably. Probably. Totally. I am in the same boat. The most exciting part of that period is gonna be the 7 a.m. game against uh, Terry <laughs> Rozier. Scary Terry. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back in a week. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. <laughs>
1: Thank you.